Welcome to the future of XYZ. I'm your host, Lisa Grelnick, principal and founder of LVG & Co., an independent strategy consultancy based in New York City. Through quick and candid conversations with innovative leaders, we aim to foster new thinking and explore big questions about where we are as a world and where we're going. Hi, and welcome to the future of XYZ. Today is Thursday, April 22nd. It is Earth Day, um, and we have been celebrating Earth Day since 1970. Earth Day is now uh, feted, if you can say that, and, and made for awareness in over 190 countries, uh, and really driving increasingly towards action uh, to take care of our very fragile planet. And joining us on Future of XYZ today to talk about the future of biomimicry, a very important topic related to the preservation of both our species, other species, and our planet, is Colin uh, Mangum, who is based in LA. Colin, welcome to the Future of XYZ. Hello. Um, Colin is an incredibly uh, prolific professional. He is a bio-inspired brand builder, the founder or co-founder of Biomimicry LA, which is a consulting firm and educational platform. He is the CMO and sustainability lead at a company that he also founded called Morpho Energy. He is the director of the United States uh, Green Building Council's Net Zero Accelerator in LA. He's LEED certified, has an MBA, uh, and is a member of Living Future Institute, among many, many other things. Uh, it's a pleasure, Colin, to have you on Future of XYZ today. And, and I'm a friend of Lisa's as well. So this is this Friend, is friend of Lisa's is a given and, and, I'm, and an honor uh, to be your friend, uh, especially for this amazing work. And I can't wait to share with our guests and listeners you know, what is, and we're going to start there, Colin, what is biomimicry? Biomimicry, well, it's funny because if you, if you break it down into biomimicry, it's like mimicking biology, right? So that's, it really is, is, is curious as the word is, it's pretty straightforward. But the idea is that we can emulate the forms, like how things are designed, the processes of how things are made, and the systems, you know, ecosystems, systems within systems, how everything interrelates, interrelates and works. Uh, if we can mimic how nature does things, and by the way, we are nature, and we can come around to that, uh, but how nature does things, then we can create tons of solutions, especially for the, the, the challenges that we've caused as human beings, uh, as a species, but it's, it is the emulation, it's the copying, it's the mimicry of how nature builds things, makes things, shapes things, and all that for some sort of function that really is driving how does nature propagate the species, push the DNA forward, and survive, and for humans, ultimately, you know, thrive and prevail above our circumstance. It's, it's, it's really... Um not a small topic when described that way. Since nature is everything around us, except for some of what we've managed to create, which has largely in some ways been both advancing but also destructive. So when we think about biomimicry, I think one of the things that we're looking at is its time horizon. Um, and, and I think about this a lot because I find that the modern world and especially the Western capitalistic world is very impatient. Right, everything is in on, on the market side. It's on you know quarterly systems, but even in ourselves. When and 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 yet 
the history of the planet and the history of man is really, really quite tiny, right? It's fractional. Right. So how do we think about, I mean, nature that has taken eons to be built, how can we imitate in such the timelines that fit man? Well, the good thing is it's it's all around us and in some ways it's within us, right? But it's, it's all around us to be studied. And I'll even say it in this this way, I'm, I'm a big audiophile. And I, I love that, for example, my kids can look back on a whole, they can look back on five different genres of music and, and piece together and mash up, you know, from all these different things. If you think about all the eons, think about it, it's actually, we, we speak to 3.8 billion years yeah. that there's been life on earth. You know, the, 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 the planet's been here for 4.5, but, but 3.8, there's been life on earth. And we didn't come around, the, the people that look like me and you, anatomically similar, uh, about 200,000 years. Whereas, yep. for example, sharks, 400 million, 400 million years sharks have been around. And I'm, I'm actually a pretty big fan of sharks. I might, I might want to tell some shark stories. Um, I hope we get to hear some shark stories, as long as it's not the kind where they eat people, because as someone who grew up in LA, that was always like, you know, your greatest fear getting in the water. See, I, and I'm, I'm in LA and so my greatest fear is how cold that water is going to be because everyone thinks it's supposed to be really warm and it's not. Uh, but I can, I can I grab, I've got, I actually, uh, who's it? Is it Marie Kondo that does say spark joy? I've got, I'm sparking all kinds of joy in this. Sparking, in this sparking joy, Colin. But I've got, I've got, okay, actually. Okay, I'm just going to bring out some stuff. But so I'm a fan of sharks and I, I'm going to show you, this is a tiger shark jaw that my grandparents brought to me when they didn't take me on the trip to Hawaii when I was young. So I guess this is a consolation prize. I'm guessing uh, they came back in one piece though. They did. So they did. And by the way, back then it was like you called them on the phone and it was like, hey, are you there? <laughs> yes, we're having a great time. It was like going out of the so ocean. Like it was a while ago. But they brought this tiger shark jaw back, partly because I was uh when I was a kid, they they called me tiger, but that was because I was an LSU tiger. But the things you can even learn about this, I show you these rows of teeth. If you've ever seen oh my god. Shark you know, this is a, uh, that's redundancy. That's very positive, optimized redundancy. One breaks off, one's ready to come back into place. So that's redundant, redundancy for resiliency that you can learn from something that's 400 million years old. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's kind of kind of sharp and, and jagged, uh, but I will, you, you mentioned like things that eat you. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, so this one, right? This is, the, this is the first edition of Jaws. I've got the, I've got the other one here. Wow. You know, it looks like this, right? This got got a little scarier, right? <laughs> Look at the teeth. It difference. definitely did. You had to show the teeth. Yeah. So, uh, but I got a first edition of Jaws because part of the biomimicry stories is that Peter Benchley, who wrote this, eventually became one of the, the biggest advocates for shark conservation. He felt like he had really done a tremendous injustice by making the shark public enemy number one. Mm. Uh, and so he became this advocate for sharks. And, and I'll mention this because this was also, I, I just want to show this real quick because it's amazing. This is a book that I grew up with. Yeah. Um, the Shark, Splendid Savage of the Sea. I found this in a, in, a, um, in a book sale in Aspen, Colorado. I don't know, like 12, 15 years ago. And I was like, oh, there, there you go. Eating things, <laughs> as you see. I was like, I remember these photos. This is my favorite book growing up. And so I bought it for, it was like 50 cents, maybe a buck. Um, you know, still got the library stuff. And when I got back, I realized it was kind of flipped upside down. It was opening the wrong direction. So it was like a, a library second or a publisher second. And I found in there, you know, it was actually inscribed by uh, that to John Denver to, to John Denver. You know, I was like, like 
John wow. Denver had died in a plane crash earlier. And again, a big conservationist and actually why I, I lived in Aspen for nearly five years and where I really got my nature thing. Uh, but that's a sign if, if you believe in signs, like maybe I this can. is interesting, you know? And so since then, one of my favorite biomimicry stories is about a company called Sharklet, where a guy went out, he was looking at a house, ships get fouled. His name is uh, Dr. Tony Brennan. He's working with the uh, U.S. Department, I think, of Naval Affairs and looking at how ships get gummed up and fouled with all kinds of organisms that creates drag on the hull, increases fuel costs, et cetera. And so how do we keep barnacles from attaching the hulls? And actually looked at shark skin and realized that sharks are like ever clean because things can't grab onto the teeth, which are basically the, the skin is like teeth. Have you ever, yeah. have you ever petted a shark? It's a, it's a very rough, un, 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 uncomfortable feeling, yes. Yeah, yeah, I love that you. Of course, you've petted a shark. Like it's like it's like um, sand, yeah. it's sand, it's sandpaper. Exactly, and but natural, organic, right? Yeah. Um, that was my first marine biology way. class, actually, with the USC Marine Lab. Was uh, dissecting a a, a a shark, and I, I'm I'm actually very much still traumatized by it. <laughs> I, okay, I we'll hadn't, try to work I hadn't known that sharks gave live birth. So, so maybe we maybe we should not talk about biomimicry. We should just work through this with you. No, um, but that's but, another episode. Keep covering biomimicry. <laughs> well, yeah. So, well, I mean, the the I want to say the moral of the story, but let's come back to that because because nature doesn't run on morals and ethics. By the way, it runs on what works, replicates strategies that work. Maybe there's something something to be learned there. But uh, this uh, this Dr. Tony Brennan figured out that how the shark skin at the, at the micro scale it looks like teeth scales of teeth and how that's all patterned and formed at the size etc is actually what keeps organisms from from latching onto it so they emulated that in a pattern very very small like 1 50th 50 the size of a human hair um onto these tapes and and and, and things they could put onto bed rails and hospital doors to actually keep bacteria from having a place to grab on and propagate so wow. it's an interesting thing right now not necessarily viruses i think they're working on that as well because that's viruses are are a little different they you know they inhabit uh, something living uh, whereas bacteria are living but to, but to, to but really i, I just i'm yeah. sorry i i want i want another example of that because that's just like blows my mind that you can someone can look at shark skin and be like oh actually nothing can adhere to this so let's use it in hospitals so are there other yeah. examples of, I mean, I'm sure in biomimicry, there are lots of them. So what are some other examples that you love uh, where we can learn and replicate nature or emulate it, not replicate it? Well, the, I guess, you know, think about like hooky, hooky, bitey stuff. I mean, the Velcro is biomimicry. Uh, it's one of our favorite examples. One that it's, it's so prolific and you see it everywhere. But it, it's that's biomimicry. So the, the burdock plant has these burrs. Burrs are seed pods. If you've ever walked in the woods and had them attached to your socks or your dog, uh, you know, a Swiss engineer actually had that same experience, plucked it off of his wool socks or his dog fur and looked at it and kind of studied it a bit. And uh, you know, from an engineering mindset, was already curious, which is a big yeah. thing about biomimicry. The future of biomimicry is curiosity. Uh, but looked at it and said, well, it has these hooks, you know, that grab onto the fur. And what can I do with that? And that, that hook and loop, you know, mechanism for attaching, you know, the furry side of Velcro to the, the hooky side of Velcro uh, is actually where Velcro came from. Wow. And by the way, the, the, the name Velcro, he was a, Swiss, he was a French speaking uh, Swiss and it comes from velour 
and crochet, velvet hook. Oh, wow. Uh, so that's where Velcro, Velcro. comes from. Velcro. Amazing. But, but, but I'll tell you what I, what I love about that is not so much the how, but the why. I mean, why, do, why, does, why does that plant do that? And it's because it's a low, it's a low energy or even zero energy process for it to propagate its seed. Animal brushes up against it, carries the seed out to wherever it does, and the plants just sitting back, going, "All right, seeds going over there, seeds going over there, seeds going over there," and it's in. It's a seed propagation strategy. It's a it's a strategy, zero energy except for what it took to actually create those burrs yeah. uh, for it to spread its seed around, um, and that's what all of nature is about. That's what all of us are about. We don't think about it too often, but deep down, it's to survive and to prevail above our circumstance. You know, it's all you and I are having this conversation on some deep level because I want food on my table to be able to live an X, X number of years. I mean, some, something in us, it, or maybe it's even just being fulfilled. Maybe there's belonging and community here. Yeah. Uh, and that's a big part of biomimicry too, is, is just getting out into nature and feeling, you know, a part of it because really we are, we are nature. Uh, and in fact, I'll tell you this, uh, one of our favorite things to say in the biomimicry community is you know the idea of just a shift in words, and you and I have done a lot of you know brand building over the years, right? And just just the tiniest shift in how you language something, communicate something, is for example, we we talk about not learning about nature, that thing over there, but learning from nature, mm. you know. And it's a very common thing that a lot of us in this space talk about, but it's it's important because if you can think about learning from something or someone, you begin to close the gap of otherness, you know, and again, that's a really important thing. Um, you know, that we need separation to create connection. You know, we need diversity uh, and biodiversity to actually make the whole system work. Good messages for right now. Uh, but really the idea of just learning, you know, from nature as a mentor, you know, uh, you know, not just this thing out there we're part of it and if we don't realize how much we're a part of it you know it's not going to continue to work on our behalf and i've got more to say about that as well no i think i there's there's no doubt of that so i think we're 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 definitely on this earth day we can come back to the fact that we need to protect uh and and, and enhance and i think what we've talked about a lot in this work in, in this consciousness world right we're talking a lot about moving away from extraction and towards regeneration and restoration right i mean this is definitely the the, the is a non-linear linear path yes it's the circular path um you know and, and you, had, you had a brilliant one on circular economy recently uh and on green roofs and, and so people if you haven't seen these other ones you know please go out and go out Thanks, and watch <laughs> It's all, it's all interrelated. I mean, I'm watching them like, I want to, I want to campfire with these people. I mean, this is, this is fantastic, but it's, it's all different perspectives on the same thing. It's all, you know, we talk about in branding, like branded house or house of brands, we're all in the same living room. You know, it's yeah. just different doorways to get to us, you know? I, and it's, and it's really, I mean, that's also why Future of XYZ was started was because I'm infinitely curious, right? And I do see the patterns and I like that we're all in the same living room, you know, it's like, and, and people have different patterns and skills and all the rest of it. And, and, and biomimicry is an interesting one. I want to come back to, you know, the idea of learning, you know, from and not just about nature, because I think about, you know, I love being out in the, you know, in nature and I, I love being in the woods specifically and, and, and very soon I'm going to be living in the woods a little bit more um, than I, than I have been. 
and that's largely because I never am more in awe than when I am out in nature. And, and trees are a great example, I think, of what we're talking about in terms of systems. You know, I use this a lot when I think about systems level thinking is like you cut down a tree over there and mm -hmm. what happens to the rest of the forest is, you know, it either grows or if you've cut down the wrong thing, like there are implications and knock on effects. So you want to talk about that maybe as an example? I don't know if it is one for you, but. About trees? I'll talk about trees. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's some great things about trees. So if we want to go down that path, I mean, one thing is a lot of times we'll, we'll all circle up in a biomimicry discussion uh, in immersion and we'll say, all right, well, what's your favorite animal? And I'll sometimes talk about the shark and I'll talk about, or I'll talk about the tiger, you know, uh, but the aspen tree is one of my favorite organisms, let's say. And I love it because actually in Utah, there's one called Pando, P-A-N-D-O which I don't know how many acres it is. And sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm not great with data. <laughs> I'm great with uh, maybe just the, the concept of it. But it's, it's apparently the largest living organism on the planet is this grove of aspen trees. And it's one, it's one stem that's interconnected with all these other stems. And, it, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a lesson in resilience and redundancy, just like that shark jaw. Mm -hmm. uh, but what I love about trees is they're rooted literally in place. Um, and they can't move around right so they find ways to work with what's abundant like sunlight or rain or whatever the 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 temperature and humidity is going on with them but really underground is where the whole story is going on you know uh the wood wide web uh as, as susan samar samar nailed it with you know that term uh but it's it's this this mycelial network of exchange going on that a tree can actually get the things it needs from far away it can communicate you know, even with things like pheromones, it can warn another tree that, that it's getting attacked by whatever it is, and the other tree can then mount defenses for that. And that other tree's defenses might be emitting a, a, a scent of some, some sort to keep the predator away, or it might actually attract a certain type of wasp, let's say, and that wasp keeps the predator away. So they're all talking, you know, it's, <laughs> it's all interrelated. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's really, it's amazing what trees actually can do. Uh, there was a poem, right? I've never seen a poem as beautiful. I, anyway, I'm ruining it. <laughs> was it like Tennyson or somebody? Uh, I mean, what's so fascinating about all of that, Colin? I mean, you know, I know that there, you know, climate change deniers out there, and there are creationists out there in our dear land. I mean, you're, you know, you're you're from Louisiana. You 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 certainly know that world a little bit. But I mean, the reality is, for those of us who believe in evolution, and you know, you have someone like Darwin who talked about survival of the fittest. You know, I mean, when we look at biomimicry, what we are talking about is looking. It sounds to me, we're looking backwards to the things that have worked. It's like the ultimate test and learn model, right? I mean, if you believe in evolution, the things that exist today over the course of our 4.5 billion year, you know, planetary history, some they've done something right. We we, it's all done something right. Um, it's it's taken time to do it is part of the part of the challenge. Um, I, I like to say actually that, you know, if, if we're going to say, well, actually, the, the future of biomimicry is actually in the past, <laughs> you know, our future is actually in the past. And so there are there are things, you know, you don't want history to repeat itself in certain ways. Let's say, you know, I'll just drop the, the big one, like the Holocaust. There are things we need to learn from ourselves that we don't want to repeat. That's why you need to know history. Uh, but at the same time, there's some amazing things that have gone on. It's just the challenge is a lot of times it takes time. Um, right. And for example, we're, we're working on a project right now 
looking at bioremediation and phytoremediation using plants to pull contaminants out of soil. And, you know, in a, let's say, a dis economically disadvantaged community where we're working right now, it might take 20, 25 years for those plants to do what they need to do. So plant, the, the, the community needs that land now, yeah. you know, or, or sooner than 20 to 25 years. So it does take time. I also mentioned, uh, and I've got another example I want to show you, uh, but uh, spider shark is, what's that? Another shark shark? Actually, I'm gonna. I, I'll, I'll mention this in just a second. Uh, but but yeah, I um, uh, spider silk is stronger has a stronger tensile strength than steel. It's stronger than steel at its size. Yeah, that's what the tensile part is. So it's scale. It's proportional, right? I mean, it's proportional. Yeah. So so I can't make enough of that and string enough of that together to stop a plane landing on a, on an aircraft carrier. But there's something to be emulated from that. In fact, I can take spider silk and and this from from the burdock plant and this from the from the, the peacock, you know, branding, uh, but, and actually make a chimera of sorts. So we can bolt together things that can work for humans, but I, I brought this other uh, shark thing. This is a megalon, megalodon tooth. This is about a 40, 45 foot shark. That's um, like a historic shark. Yeah, prehistoric. So this is dead and it's, that's, that's my iPhone 12 Pro Max. So you get a sense of size, right? Um, they were in but, the oceans when the dinosaurs were there. They were there even when the great whites were there and there's new articles coming out saying that the great whites uh, contributed to the demise because they were smaller, faster, you know, and, and preyed upon them. But the, I, I keep this all mainly because I love sharks and because it's really cool. But um, because one of the things you say in biomimicry is failures are fossils. Oh. And then right behind that you say, well, life replicates things that work. And I, I, can I show you one more thing? Yeah. Um, I don't know if you can see this back here. But this is a, a coulter pine, pine cone. Oh, I, I remember those growing up, my God. This is, <gasps> yeah, this is from Lake Arrowhead. So, um, and you can imagine, I saw it on the ground and I immediately was like, <laughs> what, what squirrels? <laughs> I'm like, standing here a minute ago. Right, there's a, and there's some squirrel up there going, aha, I've got, dropped this. But, but what I love about this, we actually, we looked to emulate this with a, with a, with a company called Forcia, which is a global, uh, OEM manufacturer for the automotive space, who, by the way, they asked, you know, how would nature make, make a better automobile? And, and the answer was really, well, nature, nature wouldn't make a better car. Nature would say, hey, just be locally rooted, be, you know, be rooted in place, you know, take the things that are abundant around you. Uh, you don't need to drive all that distance or haul things in. So maybe there's a lesson there. But we looked at how maybe you could, you could regulate the temperature of your automotive seat relative to your body temperature. How might it expand and contract? And so we looked at these guys and this Coulter pine cone. This is probably about 10 pounds, by the way. So I'll keep holding it, even though I got my second Moderna shot yesterday. So now I'm, I've got, you know, I have my full, my full power, but I'm holding this up for the good yeah, of it's, good. It's, a, it's an Earth Day miracle. Yeah, it, isn't it? It's it's crazy. But the, I guess the thing to to mention here is that it's all about signals and responses in nature. Nature runs on sunlight, gravity, and water. It also runs on feedback loops, communication. And for example, nature is telling us right now, hey, you know, people, this, you know, to, to the extent that you cause this, the things you're causing are not good for your own existence. Signal, 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 signal. You yeah. know, that's what climate change is, is giving us signals to change the behavior, adapt, evolve, as biomimicry does. But this, this one right here changes relative to temper, temperature and humidity changes. And what it does is when it's cold and it's wet, 
it, it actually holds that, that, uh, that moisture in and all these scales are pushed outward. So it closes itself up, but when it gets warmer and drier, it dries up, it pulls inward and it can drop the seed at a time when it's warm and dry enough. It's good conditions to survive and propagate. As you said, I think you, you said it's really about surviving and prevailing over our circumstances is really what nature does and what we can learn in biomimicry. That's, it's, it's, it's the mindset. The future is mainly the mindset. I'm not saying we have to all go out and say, let me look at a shark and create something, you know, that it's a better whatever this is, but at least understand that it's all interrelated. It, understand that nature runs on biodiversity. Understand that there's no waste here waste in nature zero waste you know yeah. one's one's trash is the other's treasure it all circles this is all circular economy that's how the, all that works but if, if we don't work on its behalf uh there's 30 estimated 33 trillion dollars in economic value if we had to pay for it that nature does for us clean air clean water every, what every have you. year every, what's that every year 33 trillion dollars estimated yeah i mean the, the numbers debated but it's it's big I was like, I, we could use that budget. That's, that's a good, that's a good budget. Well, it's good that we don't have to pay for it, you know, but, but in some way that, 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 that bill is coming due because it can't continue. It's, it's overstressed. It can't continue to do these services unless we give back. So we really, we've got to find ways here on earth day uh, to, to learn from nature, create economic opportunity out of what we learn and then be in a better position to give back to the nature we learn from. Colin, I think that's a really nice way of wrapping up this episode of Future Biomimicry. Thank you so much for imparting so much wisdom. It's a fascinating topic uh, that is, I mean, beyond expansive. Um, so I, I really appreciate your coming on. Thanks for having me. Thanks for, uh, I guess I, this is like mother nature in residence. I'm only channeling all this stuff. You know? <laughs> it's pulling it in. Yeah, but thank well, you. Thanks. Thanks for the show and tell as well. It's fascinating. Uh, and everyone listening, go out, do something good for the planet. Uh, think about uh, observing how we can learn from and not just about nature, as Colin so succinctly said. And uh, if you don't already subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts, please do so to the future of XYZ and follow us on Instagram to stay up to date. We will see you next week. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the future of XYZ. If you like what you've been hearing, please follow Lisa Grelnick on LinkedIn. Visit future-of.xyz or subscribe to the Future of XYZ podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.